We're getting near missions conference, not this Sunday, but the next Sunday will be the closing of our missions conference, but the Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday before that, um, I invite you to come and keep that in your mind and your thoughts on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday evening. Um, i also like to say thank you to Teresa Rhodes for singing those songs, reminding us of your wonderful husband, uh, how well I remember Paul and what an inspiration he was to me personally and to everybody here who knew him and how we miss him and don't understand why it is that God would call people uh, in, the, in the midst of such a vibrant life uh, away, but we cannot, we cannot know, we cannot understand, but we can, we can trust him. I want to say welcome to each one of you. Um, I am doing some sermons through February dealing with money, different issues and topics about money from the Bible. We talked about managing, uh, a little bit about managing money last week. I want to talk about the tenth or the tithe uh, this week. Uh, I, I, I'm using sort of a, a, a tag to tie together these ideas. The statement that Jesus made when he said, look, if a kid asks a father for some bread, will the father give him a stone? And he's, he's making the point that when I, as a kid, ask my heavenly father, for something and I have a need, God isn't going to play a game with that. So he's not going to give me coal, a lump of coal under my Christmas tree just to be devilish or just to be uh, aggravating. He's not going to give me a stone if I ask for bread because he knows that my heart and my need is bread. And so I'm simply saying, look, God asks us for bread when he says, uh, in your giving, give to me first. And so, uh, what do we give to him? Well, we give God a stone. And I hope that we don't. And, uh, and I want to mention this also. Again, I mentioned this last Sunday. I'm not preaching these messages about money because I'm looking for donations or because we as a church are in desperate need of more money. Not at all. Uh, I, I believe that you are amazingly generous in giving to the ministry of the Lord through the work of this church. That's not my point, and that's not my reasoning, but rather uh, for all of us to have the Lord's blessings on us financially, for all of us to be able to navigate through life with his hand of blessing on us. We have to give. We have to be people who meet the expectations and follow the plan that God has, and he, he is more able to pour out his blessing on us. In fact, in this, one of the scriptures I'm going to read this morning in Malachi chapter 3, the Lord said, you know, you're under my curse, not my blessing, because you're not giving of your, your money, your finances to my work, to my cause, my kingdom. Um, so I want to talk about this issue of tithing. I heard a story of these two guys who were out on a boat way out somewhere and their boat capsized and ended up stranded on this island. And it was deserted, like it was way out in the middle of nowhere. And the one guy was worried sick, and he's walking around pacing, and the other guy's just laying in the sand, having a good time, sunning, and, and not worried at all. And, they, and it made him mad, and the guy who was worried said to the other guy, aren't you concerned at all? We could die out here. And the other guy said, look, it's like this. I don't know whether you know it or not, but I make about a quarter of a million bucks a year. And I tithe every week. I tithe regularly to my church. My pastor will find us. 
I'm not going after nobody. I don't know where any islands are. But he tells us to give and to give generously and to and he will give to us as we give. But the principle today is that he tells us to give the very first portion to him. And this is my point. This I have a little box up there on your sermon notes, and those boxes in that box are some scripture passages. It's not all the scriptures, but some of the more prominent ones that kind of in teaching about the tithe or the tenth of giving to the Lord. These are scriptures that actually talk about this, explain about this, and lay out what it is that the Lord is talking about. And, and to the people of Israel under Moses, the Lord gave some expectations. And one of those was that the giving from people, the financial giving, or in that time, in that agricultural economy, it was often grain and animals and so forth. But they would bring them, the Lord said, look, I'm going to pick a spot and I'm going to put a dwelling for my name there. I'm going to build a church there. We know that this was Jerusalem. He later chose this city and under David and Solomon to build a house of worship. But the Lord said, where I've put my name, the place where a building is built to honor me and to worship me, there you will bring. And he, and he, and he uses... Um, he, he, he uses, I have there in your sermon notes, some phrases. He uses a phrase, the part that belongs to me. He uses the phrase in Numbers 18, the Lord's portion. He uses the phrase also there in Numbers 18, the best and the holiest part. You put these together and you get an understanding that the Lord was saying, when you take your one and your ten, you put the one, the part that you're giving to me, you put that on top. And then just let life roll you around. I'll take care of you. I'll put you back on top when necessary. But you lay the one on top. This is the, and, and, and the Lord is very, uh, very conscientious to point out that it needs to be the first part. They were to bring what's called in the Old Testament the first fruits. So, you know, it, it's different from consuming everything and then giving God what I have left over because you may or you may not have something left over because you may continue to find things that you need as long as you have a resource. And the Lord said to keep you away from that temptation. You give to me first and then you will know that you have given to me from the best of your life and um, there's a, there's a, there's an old hymn we used to sing a lot when I was a kid. Give of your best to the master. Give him first place in your heart. Don't give him what is left from your life after you've you've given everything you have to everything else that you can. So this is the claim. I'm simply saying the Lord says in these scriptures, and you can read them. I own this. Don't take it or steal it away. I own this part. I claim ownership of this part. Uh, why or what does this say? When I give to God a tenth of my income, I will mention just three things, and you may think of more. This isn't a, a, these three things I'm not drawing from a verse in Scripture, but just putting together the bigger picture. It's a symbol of sovereignty. You know, I had to think about this. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, 
he had a lot of trees there and a lot of plants. And it says the Lord said to, the, to the Adam and to Eve, you can eat of everything you want in the garden. You can have, all, have at it from any tree you like, except there's one tree that I'm keeping for myself. You may not have that tree. This marks out my claim. This says to me, and this is my point, the fact that God denied a tree a particular item. He said, you can have everything else, but you can't have this. To me, is a continual reminder to Adam and Eve, they are not autonomous. They are not independent. There's somebody higher than them. There's someone over them. And he just, to remind them, says, you can't have that. You can have all this, and you can have all that, you cannot have that. It's a little bit like that, I think, with money, where he says, you can have nine out of ten bucks, you can do whatever you need to, whatever you want to, but you can't have this. It's a symbol of the fact that all of it comes from him, but that he lays a claim to part of it. There used to be a guy, he's passed on now, Many, some of you would know him, that I used to visit. He lived with his daughter in his, el- ancient, er, ancient, in his elderly years. He lived with his daughter, and... Uh, I used to go to see him, visit him occasionally, and he had the he used the church envelopes, the little envelopes that you put money in, you can give every week if you wish through that system. He used those, and he actually put cash in them, and he would roll these little bills up and insert them in there so neatly in these little pockets. And and uh, when I would go to visit him, he would give me these envelopes from over you know the last month or whenever it was. And uh, I remember this happening a couple of different times where I said, oh, thank you, like when I was going to leave, I would just remember these envelopes or he'd give them to me and I'd say, thank you for your donation to the church, thank you for your money, whatever. And he would smile so sweetly and he would say, oh, it's not my money. I wouldn't even think of keeping it. This is God's money. And it was always a reminder to me of this sweet fellow's uh, understanding of this principle right here, that this was a symbol of God's sovereignty. I think it also amounts, when I give God, not from the leftover, but from the beginning, I think it amounts to an expression of gratitude, where I'm saying to him, uh, I am so thankful that you are going to enable me to, to live on nine-tenths of my income, that you are going to... Um, take care of me, that you have already done that in the past, that you will prove yourself faithful in the future. And just, by the way, thank you for giving me whatever you give me. Everything I have is from you. My health, my, uh, my uh, provisions, any uh, possessions that I have, uh, it's all from you. So I thank you for that. And I think also, this is the, this is the part where many people, I think, struggle uh, because they're afraid, and they don't think that the Lord will somehow or other enable them to survive. And so they're not quite at this level of faith that enables them to do that. To tithe is an expression of faith. It's a way of saying, Lord, I'm going to give you the one and believe that you will enable me to make it on the nine. It's, it's, it's a flat out, it's an expression of faith. And we're told that in the scriptures. So these are just three areas that I think come through with why, with perhaps why God has set it up the way he set it up and what he, what he is uh, demonstrating in our life. What was this 
money used for in the Old Testament when we read about it in Numbers and Leviticus um, and in the Old Testament era, their, their economy was much more agricultural. And so the Lord says, look, bring your grain from your field, bring the juice from your grape press, bring it to the temple. And um, this, is, this is your offering, this is your, your tithing to me. Uh, so they would not only just bring money, they, you know, we can do it in a, a lot of easy, simple ways today. They sometimes had to literally lug their tithe with them in a wheelbarrow. But here's what happened with it and what it was to be used for. And uh, there, there's, again, I have some scriptures there you can read through that talk about this. The one was to sustain and support those people, especially in that time, the men who were from the tribe of Levi, called Levites, whose job and role it was the ministry of the tabernacle or the temple. And so the Lord says, look, when I give out the, when we get in the land and I give out the portion of the land to the different tribes, the tribe of Levi is not going to get any land. The tribe of Levi is not going to have a place to plant the garden or a field to raise a crop or produce. They're not going to have a way of sustaining themselves financially. Because I want them and their time, I'm jealous of that, and I ask for it in the temple or in the tabernacle. And they are to, do, to take care of the furnishings and the moving and the ministry of the tabernacle. This included the family of Aaron, who was the priest and all of his descendants. And so the Lord said, here's the system that we're going to put in place. Uh, the tithe, the gifts of the other 11 tribes are going to support this one tribe. And so the tithe that comes in will be used by them to buy, to buy or purchase or supply the needs that they have. And so when, uh, and this has been the case all through history, when Christians in a community or a body or a church give and that uh, that money is used to pay salaries like myself or other people who are involved in ministry of that church. That is a pattern that goes all the way back to Moses. That this was uh, a part of the use of the tithe. It's also in the books of Numbers and Deuteronomy and Leviticus uh, described as money that was used to actually be beneficial to the person giving it. And so, for example, the Lord says to them, bring, your, the, bring the juice from your grape press. Bring the wheat from your field. And, and, uh, and he said, if you live too far away from the church, go ahead and exchange it for, for, for money in your home community. Then bring the money. Either way, Bring it to my temple. Bring it to my place of worship. And there he said, prepare a feast. And sit down and eat and drink in the presence of the Lord and with your brothers and sisters. And the money, the, 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 money, the resources that you provided should at least to some extent go right back to you. That you receive benefit from that you receive benefit from the gifts which you have given. So at certain times of the year, they would have feasts. 
and the, the resources for buying the food for these feasts were the tithes of the people who came then and ate the food at the feast. And so that seems to me to be saying to us that, that God's idea and his intention is that the tithe would, would somewhat, mostly stay local enough that it could come right back and benefit you. And that the part of the purpose is, like, for example, in our local church here, when you give to this church, I hope and pray that somehow you can benefit from the programs of this church, from the outreach, from the ministry of this church. If uh, you set down a Sunday school class and someone hands you a, a, a quarterly or a book or something and you say, oh, um, this is great, I can follow along or... We, you know, we look up here and we say, wow, I can, I can see as well as hear. The money to make these things possible for our worship is co actually comes from all of us. And so it, it makes a circle, but it stays enough that the, that the tither benefits some, to some degree from his, own, from his or her own tithe. But then he also says, and... Uh, it would also need to be used, or it's also to be used, to benefit simply as being given out. Uh, to benefit those who are struggling financially, or economically, or physically, or emotionally. The Bible over and over tells us that we're to take care of the people who cannot take care of themselves, or the people who are, who are somehow vulnerable and and. And they, they need a helping hand. Well, this takes money in one way or other, one form or other. And so he talks about the widow and the orphan and uh, the outcast and the person. Uh, and he says the money that comes in from the people is not only to go to the tribe of Levi for ministering. It's not only to be used in the local setting for um, celebration, but it's also to go into the lives and go into the circumstances of those who, who need financial help. Okay, here's a verse from Malachi chapter 3. I'm sure you've read this verse or heard this verse probably many times. I want to take time to read it again and just mention, again, the principle of it. Um, because it, it points out to us that this is something God takes very seriously. This is something that God doesn't give to us as a suggestion, but it's something that he says, um, this is how I want you to live, and this is, this is how I've set it up. This is something that I feel uh, jealous toward because it's a symbol of my sovereignty. There's, this, there's a tree in the garden that you can't have. It's not for you. Uh, this is in the book of Malachi, the, the prophet that's writings is at the very end of the Old Testament. Will man rob God? Yet you rob me. You ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse because you are robbing me. And I, I take it that the implication is that they were giving some, some amount to their worship, to their temple, but not what he calls the whole tithe. You see that? So that's the challenge. That's the challenge that's before us. That's the challenge for it's a challenge before any couple who are working on their budget. It's a challenge before any, uh, any individual who's planning out the course of their life. Um, can I give to God the whole tithe? And, and, and that's, the, that's the, 
the challenge. So he says, bring the whole tithe, this is the Lord speaking to the people, into the storehouse, that means the, the storehouses of the temple. The temple literally had rooms built on it that were storage rooms. We might call them storage garages. They, they actually had little doors that went up, and they had places in there that they stored stuff that was used in worship, giving aid, and so forth. So he says, bring it, the whole tithe, that there may be food in my house. Test me. So this is, again, the Lord talking, and this is the challenge that he's thrown out. I want all of the tithe. I don't want 50 cents on $10. I want $1 on $10. Test me. See if I do not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you will not have room enough for it. Some of you sitting right here this morning could give wonderful, amazing testimonies of how you tested God and how he poured out the blessings of heaven on you. And I've heard people and had people come up literally and, and say to me, I want to tell you what has happened to me in the area of my money. I want to explain to you how I had great fear and I covered that fear up and put faith in its place. And I saw amazing things happen, unexpected things happen. It's not magic, but God has an infinite number of ways to take care of us on what it is that he tells us is ours. So the Lord throws this challenge out. Um, so I, I'm just saying, simply saying, here's the principle of this, that the Lord is saying, as I understand this passage, <clears throat> that if we understand this and yet we do not any, do anything about it, we're stealing from him. Again, go back to the very first part where he says, I, I lay claim to this. This is, this is the one tree that is not yours. This is, this is not belong to you. This belongs to me. And so he says, if you don't give it to me, you're, you're withholding what is mine. And the Lord uses the very strong word of stealing or robbery. And, uh, and he says, look, if, you're not, if you don't think you can handle it, check, test me out. Put me to a test. I don't understand why that wouldn't be just as valid today as it would have been then. I, don't, I mean, as in my understanding of the scripture, that principle is the same for us today. Um, there are those who say it's not. I've talked with people who say, oh, all that died with the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. And just like we no longer celebrate the Feast of Jubilees because Jesus is our rest and our Jubilee or we no longer... Uh, have the same exact idea of the Sabbath as they have, but we now worship on the first day of the week. That's all part of the old covenant and the old experience. And Jesus fulfilled all that. Jesus is our tithe and our offering unto the Lord. And we don't, uh, you know, we can give a free will offering, but uh, we are today in the New Testament era, we are no longer need to worry about the tithe that was part of the old covenant. I've heard some folks say that. I do not agree with it, and I don't, even though there's not a, a lot of teaching in the New Testament or any particular teaching about it, I just mentioned several things, uh, several things about it here. First of all, a conversation that Jesus had in Matthew 23, where he, Jesus says the Pharisees that he's criticizing uh, are very scrupulous and law-abiding people, but they're nasty to deal with. Their attitude is hateful and cold. And Jesus said to them, look, 
you are meticulous in your tithing. You not only tithe of your income, you tithe of your garden products. So let's say that, I'll just put it up in our day and time, um, uh, one of the Pharisees uh, had a little garden plot. He had a little truck farm, and so he grew some to, tomatoes and potatoes, and, and he had a little roadside stand. And Jesus said, you're so, you're so uh, committed that you not only tithe from your paycheck, you tithe a tenth of your potatoes, and you tithe a tenth of your eggs and your butter, or whatever you sell on the side. That's wonderful. But your heart is cold as a dead fish. You have no mercy. You have no compassion. You have no faithfulness. And Jesus said to these people he's talking about, you should have done the, the one without ever giving up the other. In other words, he said, you should still continue to tithe, but you should also have a heart of compassion. In other words, you, you shouldn't just put your hope in God in the fact that you obey these rules and you keep a ledger and you can prove that you actually gave 10%. Jesus said, give your 10%, but open up your heart at the same time. Don't give it and then, and then be... Um, uh, a poor example or poor representative of the Lord. Paul talks about uh, very briefly in 1 Corinthians 16. And I want to just mention this quickly. In the book of Hebrews, uh, this is in chapter, uh, four, uh, chapter 7. It's talking about this guy in the Old Testament named Melchizedek. And it just reminded me of something when I was thinking about this. And that is that tithing did not start with Moses or the tabernacle in the wilderness. Tithing did not even start with Jacob, who was fleeing away from his homeland, and he had the dream, remember, and he saw the ladder, and the Lord said, I'll take care of you, and I'll bring you back here. And Jacob was so excited, he got up and he said, wow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a stone here in this spot, so I remember this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a tenth of everything I have. And he made this promise, it's in Genesis 28, I think, or something like that. It's way before that. All the way back to Abraham, it tells the story of how Abraham was out. His nephew Lot had been kidnapped, and Abraham went out with some men to try to rescue his, ne his nephew, and he got Lot, and he brought him back, and, and he, he rescued him, and he's getting towards the city of Jerusalem, and this guy comes out to greet him, and he's a king. He's the king of, he's the, king of the city of Jerusalem. His name is Melchizedek which means the king of righteousness. And he's a very strange character. And the book of Hebrews discusses and talks about him. We usually pronounce it Melchizedek. And as soon as he got to where Abraham was, it says he blessed Abraham. And instinctively and instantaneously, Abraham said, everything I've got here, I want to give you a tenth of it. And he gave to Melchizedek a tenth of all that he had. And it says in the book of Hebrews, just keep in mind that Jesus is the same order of king as Melchizedek was. And Melchizedek was the guy who the tithe was given to. And so therefore, if implication is certainly there that Jesus is the king that we give our tithes to today. Okay, here's uh, three, th three attitudes. I want to read some scripture and then I'm, I will close the Three different attitudes that people have that I've observed in my own life. The first one I'm going to read is in Deuteronomy chapter 8. A place where 
uh, I think it speaks to those who say, oh, this is all a bunch of nonsense. I don't have to give God anything. I get to pick and choose what I give to God. And, it, you know, it, it's really mine. It's not really God's. This is just a scare tactic. Uh, this is in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. This says to me, look, at your own peril, do you get proud in this situation? At your own peril, do you say, well, it doesn't, that's just, that's nonsense. This is, that's ridiculous. This really is my money because I earned it. And the Lord says, don't say that because you need to remember, I can take it away from you in a moment. I can take your ability away physically. I can take your ability away mentally to even earn an income or to manage life on your own. And so don't walk down that road of challenging God um, and saying, well, it really belongs to me. A second, a very real part of the lives of many people, and I've had uh, many times through the years people have come and said to me, you know, I really want to tithe. I would really like to. I desire in my heart to be able to do this. But man, you don't know how close my money is, and you don't, you don't understand, and I, maybe I don't, and maybe I don't have to. But I really want to. But I've, got a, I've had a pay cut instead of a pay raise, or I lost my job. Or, um, you know, my husband or my wife is, does, doesn't want me to, to give more, more money. Um, I've got some extra bills, or I've been in the hospital, or medication, or the kids need, need more money. And, um, and, and I've had people say to me, well, if we're supposed to give them our income to God, what about Christians in the third world who don't basically have any income at all? Um, I don't have a, an easy solution for every question that you might ask. What I, say, what I will say to you is that the principle is that one-tenth of our income belongs to the Lord, and this is his standard. And I believe it's, it goes across the ages, across all income brackets, across all... All, all scenarios for all of God's children in all types of circumstances. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> maybe you're here today and you say, well, David, I don't tithe. Um, I give some money to the Lord, but I don't tithe. I want to, I'd like to, but I just don't, I just don't have that kind of faith. It, all I know to say to you is just sit down and talk to the Lord and be honest and be open and say, Lord, I don't have the kind of faith that could give you this much uh, I, I don't. I, I live with fear that I couldn't make it on what I have left, or I would have very big battle in my my home with my spouse. So I, I I'm just not there right now. But here's here's what I'm going to do to show you, to put you to the test a little bit, to show you that I really would like to. Um, maybe I, if I've figured it all out, maybe I give you one percent or two percent of my income. I'm going to ch change that to three. I'm going to up that, and I'm going to, I'm going to trust you, and just keep setting this out your your goal, and just keep praying about it, and saying to the Lord, show me how, show me how that I can live with what I have while giving you what is yours, and I believe that He will do it, and it may be different in different ways. Just open your heart to the Lord, and. 
on this issue. And I, I want to close with some, some scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that talk about this. Where, first of all, in, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, that, that say in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says this. <clears throat> That if the attitude is right, verse 12, 2 Corinthians 8, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what has, not what one has, not according to what it does not have. So that says to me, look, if your heart is in the right place, no matter what percentage of money that you can or cannot give unto the Lord, um, the Lord accepts you. And it's not something to, uh, this is not something to, that's going to change your salvation or that you need to have uh, that kind of fear about. God accepts you and accepts your gift. He's more interested in what is inside our heart than what is in our hand. But here's what it says in the next chapter, chapter 9, and this is verse 10 and 12 there. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness, and you will be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your, generos your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, that's one of the uses of the tithe, to give to those who are, are strapped right now, or who find themselves behind the eight ball. And he says it's not only giving gifts to uh, the, filling the needs of God's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. So this says here, and this is the New Testament, that if we give, and we give in faith, and we give with the right attitude, that God can give us more. He can, he can roll somehow roll our bill back on top, and he will supply our needs that we have. So I challenge you, all of us, in our giving uh, to have this number three kind of an attitude that just says, look, this is how I choose to live my life. If it puts me in the poor house, I had a guy say to me, I had a guy say to me just recently, I got to talk to him about money, and we were having this wonderful conversation, and he said to me this, he's up in years, he said, David, I've kept track of this through the years, and I have just given recently passed $1 million. I just recently have, have given away, given to the Lord's work, more, million, more than a million dollars in my life. What a, what, a, what a privilege, what a joy to be able to look back at your life and say, you know, and he said to me, he said, I started tithing when I was nine years old. To be able to look back at your life and say, this is just who I am and this is how I'm going to live my life. This is, I'm firm about this. I'm going to put God first and, and that's, that's how I'm going to live my life. And he will show me how somehow to live with what's left. He will, he will make a way for me. And, uh, and this is what Jesus said. Look, seek first God's kingdom and he'll, he will add to you. He will take care of you. Uh, all these other things will be added unto you. God can do this. And this is the challenge that, of the tithe that I want to bring to you this morning. Heavenly Father, Thank you for uh, these demonstrations, for these inspirations of your word. Pray that uh, 
that you will show us the way. We know this is a, a topic about which we all feel very sensitive because we need money. Uh, money represents to us uh, a way of living, it, the possibility of living. It represents to us many, many things. And so we are very concerned about the amount of money that's available to us. I pray that you will help us as a church family um, to be able to use the tithes that people bring and give in a way that reflects back what it is that you asked us to give them for. Although none of us can fully touch, no matter, no matter how we use them, the idea that at the bottom line, it's a reminder to us, a very potent and powerful reminder that all we have is yours and that this is, this is, this is a symbol to us of your sovereignty. We don't get to say, oh, I'll do this or I'll do that or here's how much I'm going to keep. We don't get to say that. You've already said it for us. We get to obey or we, get not, we, we have the choice to obey or not. Help us, bless us, and let, as, this, as it was reminding us in 2 Corinthians, let, let our testimony be able to be filled with, uh, with, with stories of amazement what you have done in our lives and in our community and in our church because we were generous givers and we gave all that we could, a tithe or even beyond, whatever it was that we could give to you, that we did that with a willing and a glad heart. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.